Hi, this is Mitch Ivan, and this is the Tuesday Afternoon Podcast. Full disclosure, it's Wednesday morning. I really try to get this podcast out on time every week. No excuses, except the one I'm going to make up right now. October tends to be a very busy month in my world. I've got a bunch of birthdays. We have a Halloween party that we do every year. But that's no excuse. My apologies for being a day late, but not a dollar short on today's podcast. Let's get going. First things first, a moment of gratitude. I just want to thank those of you who have participated, who have joined me for these first 12 episodes of the podcast. You've put up with a lot. Me being the first thing. Secondly, my lack of technology. Just doing this through my phone as I get this podcast started. And I want you to know how grateful I am for you for that. Next week, though, for the Tuesday afternoon podcast, things are going to sound a little better. I have my first microphone on the way, coming from Amazon. Should be delivered today or tomorrow. And we're going to move off the phone and at least onto my Apple iMac desktop first big step, I think. Anyway, let's get going. So today I want to jump forward. I want to jump forward for the political part of the podcast. I want to jump forward to 2024. Normally I don't do this, but I think we're all so wrapped up in the midterms. Some of us are stressing, some of us are not. I don't think you need to stress. Democrats are going to maintain the Senate. They're very likely going to maintain the House as well. They very likely will add a seat or two. I know the polling shows things closing up a little bit, but that always happens in polling. And the narrative, the main narrative, and the media doesn't report this, which they don't, that's not their job. Their job is to report the news and then to, well, they, they do analyze the news, but the hard news is the news, right? The data is the data. The polling is the polling. Just remember that polling has been inherently inaccurate. Inherently inaccurate for at least 20 years now, especially the last 10 years. It's been, it's, I don't, it's not been useless because sometimes it's right, but it's a crapshoot. You, know, you just don't know. Um, so the polling isn't really indicative of all the time of how things are going to work out. And the narrative that shifted this electoral cycle, which was basically the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, has not disappeared. The extremism of the Republican Party hasn't changed. It's exacerbated. It's gotten worse. The tens of thousands of women that aggressively registered to vote hasn't changed. Young people, especially Gen Z, more and more each election cycle that are old enough to vote, that are coming forward, I believe they're going to vote. They're going to vote aggressively in large numbers in the midterms. I don't expect we're going to see a massive blue wave. I think that's unrealistic. The polling, at least, the polling that I can buy into makes sense that that's unrealistic. But I think this gloomy perspective that the Democrats are suddenly in trouble is inaccurate. The Democrats are not suddenly in trouble. The narrative is still the same. And I think you're going to see certainly the Democrats holding the Senate would be surprised if they lose the House. 
I'd like to see them add one or two seats in the Senate. I don't know what's going to happen in the Dow ballot races. Um, hopefully that surge of women voters is going to move somebody like Beto Rourke up to the forefront and he's going to win. Um, unfortunately, that's he's running for governor of Texas. Unfortunately, in uh, Florida, I don't realistically see DeSantis losing. Although you never know, though. And I think you, you never know. I, I think this is going to be... Um, one of these surprise elections, although I don't think it's going to be a blue uh, wave. I think we're going to see some at least a couple of big, unexpected Republican losses in the House that you would never dream would happen. It's going to be someone like it's not going to be this guy, but this is an example. Some long term Republican extremist who's gone more extreme. Take a Louis Gohmert type character. It's going to be, um, it's not going to be Marjorie Taylor Greene. It could very well be Lauren Boebert, although she's not a long-term Republican member of Congress. But, uh, but she's, at least according to the polling, again, which we doubt, um, you know, she's statistically tied with her opponent in Colorado. And uh, I don't know, but I, I think there's going to be some surprises, some longer term. It's not, even if Boebert goes, she's not a long-term Republican. Longer term Republicans who are part of the extreme right, who sort of always were a little nuts, but have gone full on batshit. Um, I think we're going to see some surprises there in gerrymandered districts. Let's see what happens. But anyway, I don't want to dwell and I'm doing it. I don't want to dwell on the present for a moment. Let's move into the future. Let's talk about 2024, the presidential election, just for something different, just to get our minds off of the midterms. And let's talk about, from my perspective, how Democrats potentially look in 2024. Right now, we still have Biden saying he's going to run. And I think he probably will run. And I think Biden has done a really, really good job. Even in Democratic circles, sometimes that's a bad thing to say. But um, there's nothing bad about it. I think his record speaks for Self, the amount of legislation he's been able to move forward in a divided Senate, in an equal, with an equally divided Senate. Um, what he's done with executive order. I wouldn't say it's a progressive stream. He's still technically a moderate. It's just that the right has moved so far to the right that our perception of what a moderate is, is skewed. A moderate Democrat, moderate Democratic policies now in comparison to where the Republican Party is and how far right and how extreme it's become, how unrealistic, how unhinged it is. Moderation seems off balance, right? A moderate Democrat like Biden, when you compare it to the absurdity of the GOP, Biden seems like a liberal, like a hardcore liberal. He's not, you know, he's not. The policies he's passed are moderate policies. Even the student loan forgiveness is a moderate policy. It's simply the juxtaposition. It's the alter ego. It's the opposite of the tax break that the Trump administration, that Trump passed, and and the and and the you know the Republican controlled Congress at the time. You know that was another big tax break for big corporations, for the wealthiest among us. And and look, it, it did 
benefit myself. I'm not going to lie. It benefited me. And uh, there were some things I really liked about it. I love that the standard deduction for medical expenses now um, and the standard deduction overall was increased. And I don't have to eat my heart out trying to find every stupid little medical expense here medical, uh, when I'm doing my taxes or getting them ready for the accountant. Every find, every little thing, the standard deduction is going to exceed whatever I'm going to come up with. And then if people who have medical bills that are so astronomical, that is another issue. The medical bills themselves bankrupting people, but at least as far as I'm concerned, or at least as I understand the tax code, you know, if your medical bills exceed the standard deduction, you're going to do better with that tax-wise than you would have done. But irrespective that that tax, that trillion-dollar uh, tax plan that the Republicans passed in 2018, I think it was 17, end of 17, beginning of 18, I don't remember exactly when it was, um, it really predominantly benefited large corporations and, uh, and predominantly the wealthiest Americans. Um, Biden's student debt relief was basically the polar opposite. It was to give an opportunity. You could almost call it a loophole, some sort of forgiveness to middle-class people and lower-income people who went to college to try to improve their lives, as opposed to giving tax breaks and corporate welfare to only to rich people and to large corporations. It leveled the playing field a bit. Irrespective, I'm off track for a change. What else is new? Let's talk about it. My point is that Biden has done a good job. His approval rating at 43% or whatever it is right now doesn't reflect how amazing a job he has done. Sometimes I feel ridiculous saying that because during the Trump administration, um, Republicans would say Trump is doing a great job and you would think they were nuts because they were. Trump did a terrible job. So sometimes now when we say our president is doing a good job, you know, I'm sorry if you hear that. Uh, you may hear some noise in the background. I hope not. There's some work being done outside. I apologize for that if you could hear it. But anyway, actually, let's relocate because that's a little loud. So anyway, Trump is a... Uh, so anyway, President, uh, President Biden did a good job. So because the president did a good job, he has a, normally he would have a pretty good chance at getting reelected in 2024, his second term. But we're living in weird times where we have a lot of extremist Republican voters. Uh, you know, and, and there is the issue with Biden's age. Let's just be real. He's not... His, his age is not a hindrance to his intellectual competency under any circumstances. He's fine, you know, but he's not as quick-witted as he once was. He is not as aggressive as he once was. And in a 2024 campaign, depending on who it's going to be against, you're going to need a, you're going to need a, you know, a sharp tongued fighter. And that was Biden back in the day, but that's not Biden today. Now, if Biden runs, if Trump runs, I'm not worried at all. I'm not the least bit worried. I know a lot of people are. I'm worried about the cheating. You know, some of these secretaries of states like in Arizona and Nevada, if they get, if they actually get elected and they decide to fix the election, 
in whatever capacity they can, which would be by simply not certifying the results in their state, which they've said they're not going to do. That concerns me. That's a constitutional crisis. But in terms of Biden actually winning, Trump making up those 7 million votes that he lost by, that's never going to happen. It's it's not going to happen, especially if Trump gets indicted. I know the more he gets in trouble and he sort of victimizes himself, the better it is politically for him. But those days are behind us. So if we have an election where Biden is up against Trump in 2024, I'm not the least bit worried about Biden. If we have an election, on the other hand, where you've got someone like Ron DeSantis running, and Ron DeSantis is a lot more dangerous to the foundational principles of our democracy than Trump ever could be, because he is as bad as Trump, but he's not nearly as dumb as Trump. He's not a bright man, but he's not a bumbling moron. And the only thing that I believe that saved our democracy was Trump's stupidity, was his objective narcissism, objective meaning there's no question about it, that his, he is emotionally unstable, his narcissism is toxic and is undiagnosed, you know, in terms of him being a, a very sick, mentally ill man. But his, but that problem, that self-destructive narcissism combined with his abject stupidity is what saved the country from falling into a total state of authoritarianism. And we're not going to, that DeSantis is not going to have that problem. He's not mentally ill and he's not dumb, but he's extreme and he's dangerous. And that concerns me. And if Biden were to face him in a campaign, DeSantis will pretend to pivot center, whatever the center is perceived to be now by the right. And I fear a lot of independent voters, certainly all Republicans, would say, oh, he's not Trump. He's better than Trump. He's never going to be Trump until he's elected. And then he becomes Viktor Orban, the president of Hungary. Because that's how he's running Florida. And that is not what I want to see. But I think DeSantis doesn't have a chance. If And, he's, and Biden could still beat DeSantis. But I think it would be a close race and it would make me, I'd feel a little bit nervous about it. Or some character like DeSantis if it's not him running. So who do I like? So far, I've... Rokahana, Congressman Rokahana. He's been, I found him to be remarkably impressive over the last year, year and a half. Rokahana, I don't remember where Kahana is from, what, what uh, state and district he represents. But Kahana is a, he's, first of all, he's not afraid to go on Fox News. He frequently goes on to Fox News and defends common sense democratic principles. He's very well spoken. He understands every issue in depth, and he, or at least every issue that I've heard him talk about. He's well prepared. When I've heard him talk about the economy, when I've heard him talk about um, a plethora of different issues, he's well prepared, he's young, and I think he could annihilate DeSantis. He's, you know, he's um, Indian American descent, so he's never going to get the racist vote, but who gives a shit, and neither will... You know, no Democratic president will get the racist vote because there is a 
a significant, sizable racist vote here in the U.S. that every Republican is going to get as long as they're appropriately racist. So forget about that anyway. So, but, uh, but I do think Kahana could put up quite, quite a battle, and I think he would win, and I think he'd make a good president. Secondly, I, you know, I, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, I'm not a huge, huge Gavin Newsom fan. I'm really not. I, 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 I'm, I'm, and I'm not not a fan either. He's just, um, I mean, he's good for where he is. <laughs> he does a good job in California. Uh, I, I, I like some of his policy positions. I don't like some of the hypocrisy that we saw from him during COVID um, in terms of like, appropriately calling for mask mandates and quarantines and everything else. And then he's unmasked with a whole bunch of his friends at a rest, fancy restaurant in wherever it was, you know, Los Angeles or wherever, you know, that and, and, and getting, doing it and getting caught doing it. I, it just, it was, it was an appalling moment. So I don't like that hypocrisy, these longer term, you know, these long term middle-aged to older white guy Democrats who are so used to just being in positions of power that they don't think they have to follow the same rules some, and logical rules. Unlike the Republicans, they they don't they don't want to follow any rules, you know, except uh, you know the 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 law of worshiping Donald Trump. But and then the, whatever rules they put in place are generally usually stupid and meaningless. But the Democrats when there are rules that one has to follow that they put in place are usually for the betterment of society and their constituents, but then they don't follow it because Gavin Newsom is quite, like so many of them, is entitled. But irrespective of that, if I'm not going to get a Rokahana running, Gavin Newsom is out there aggressively, aggressively over the last couple of months, pushing for an end to the crazy. He is going after Ron DeSantis. He is going after Governor Greg Abbott Abbott in Texas. He is calling out the insanity, the hypocrisy, the disgraceful behavior of Republican governors around the country. He is creating ads. They're running ads, going after these governors, calling out the inhumanity of putting... 48 or 50 Venezuelan migrants on a bus or on a plane, flying them out to um, using them as political pawns, using them as forgetting that they're people, tricking them, it lying to them that we're going to be sending you here if you agree to go voluntarily. We're going to send you here. There's going to be all these jobs for you, all these opportunities just to get them to go for a political stunt. And then redoing that now. Subs- looks like they're going to be doing that over and over again. Gavin Newsom has been calling these governors out and shaming them successfully. And that's why if all Democrats, real, if what they really need more than anything else in 2024 is a fighter, and it's absurd that we are at a moment in our country's history where someone has to be, as opposed to being a leader, somebody has to be a fighter. But if you need a fighter to get elected as a Democrat, 
I think Gavin Newsom would fit that bill. And then we have one more name that popped up very recently to me, although I've always liked this person as a Congress as a member of Congress from Ohio. I always I often found him kind of dull, kind of uninspiring until recently. No, I mean I I, I liked his work. I I found him to be a good candidate for Ohio. Tim Ryan I'm talking about. But I I remember when he challenged Nancy Pelosi uh, for Speaker of the House. I think, was that after Trump was, um, I don't remember if it was after Trump was elected or after Biden, but he tried, he challenged her, he got crushed. She absolutely clobbered him, Um, you know, in in terms of to become Speaker of the House. But irrespective, uh, irrespective, he is now running for the Senate, if you haven't been following, running to be a senator for an open seat in Ohio, if you haven't been following him. Um, and he is running against J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance is another Republican sociopath. And Tim Ryan had a debate yesterday or the day before, had the first debate with J.D. Vance, and he destroyed Vance. I mean, now again... They're not, it's not difficult to pick apart these Republican positions on abortion, on, uh, the, on January 6th and the insurrection, uh, because their positions are so hypocritical and they're so just plain, they're just plain stupid that they're not difficult to, 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 you know, to, to annihilate. But Democrats tend to be a little wishy-washy, they, or they have tended in the past, and they tend not to be aggressive. They tend not to to go hard because again that's not you you want in a perfect world you want politics to be to be competitive but not obnoxious but we've reached the point where obnoxious is necessary because we're dealing with the fate of our democracy and we're dealing with unqualified people running for office people who you wouldn't want hire to walk your dog because they're too extreme and they're basically unemployable but now have thanks to Donald Trump have found a future for themselves in politics running for office JD Vance is one of those characters Tim Ryan picked him apart and annihilated him in that particular debate yesterday. He called him out on his position, um, not nicely either, aggressively, as and that's the way you got to do it, on J.D. Vance's position uh, with uh, January 6th insurrection at the Capitol building, how J.D. Vance claims to be uh, pro-police, but then how he basically raised money for the legal fund for one of the insurrectionists who recently got four years in jail for his, yeah, for what he did at the Capitol. J.D. Vance, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ryan called Vance out on uh, a, a Trump rally not too long ago in Ohio, where Trump basically said that Vance, he, Trump actually said that Vance, um, Vance is here to kiss his ass. And then Vance came up and said, this, after Vance was humiliated by Trump, Vance came up and said, uh, yeah, aren't we all having a great time here? Something like that. But Ryan was well prepared and presented that particular information. And it was a, as a, as debate goes, it was a bludgeoning. So I think watching how well prepared Ryan was, and Ryan does it in, unlike Gavin Newsom, who is in your face, um, and unlike Rokahana, who is 
who, you know, who is, um, who can, who is really sort of an intellectual, um, at, at his core and a brilliant one at that. Tim Ryan is just like a guy, right? He just, he's, he's not real. He's, he seems on the one hand kind of sleepy and not really full of energy. But then when I watched him slap, slam or slap Vance around in that debate, he was like, sort of like this, this kind of quiet guy that was remarkably exciting at the same time. So although I, I'm not 100% sold on him running in 2024, I'm not, I'm not against it either. I, I think he could wind up being a, a really good candidate, especially as he gets more and more seasoned on the campaign trail. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, but either way, I, I, I'm hopeful. I guess my conclusion here is that um, if Biden insists on running... I, I, I need him. I need him to be running against Trump. If anybody else is running, I, I need Biden to, to step away, and um, we need to celebrate this, the incredible job that he's done. Assuming he continues with the same pace over the next two years, which I expect he will. Um, and then we need him to to step away because I don't think he's going to be a strong enough campaigner. I think he still could be a good president for another four years. I certainly think he's got it in him, but I don't think he can be a strong enough competitor in the campaign to take on a crazy ass like DeSantis. Let's do the fake commercial now. Have you purchased your Ring, Arlo, or Google Video doorbell yet? Well, if you haven't, you damn well should right now. It's a dangerous world out there, and there are bad guys lurking right outside your door at any given moment, and they are ready to come and get you. And the only thing that can protect you or save you or keep you safe is to spend anywhere from $100 to $185 on a video doorbell. Not enough though. If you just buy the video doorbell and you don't spend the additional money, you're not gonna get a subscription for your own safety that will let you record all the things that don't happen in front of your front door. The subscriptions can run you anywhere from $7.99 to $9.99 to $10.99 to $14.99 per month. But that's a small price to pay for the safety of you and your family. So if you haven't purchased your doorbell yet, Buy it today. I went a little bit longer than I had planned with part one of today's podcast when I was talking about the 2024 presidential election. So we're going to have to call it a day at this one. I want you to know I appreciate you. See you next week.